Welcome back to another segment of Use of Force. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley. And today we're walking through North Queens. And within that area, we have another unidentified case. For those who haven't listened before, we have instances along our walk routes where there are people that have been identified and have news stories about them corresponding to how the police use force against them and how they died. And then there are instances of deaths that are listed in the police use of force reports that got no news coverage. Last week we had one of those. It's represented on one of Jesse's shirts for the season. This particular one is not represented on either of our shirts. It took place in the 111th Precinct in Bayside, Queens. And I'm gonna read the use of force report from the NYPD now. On May 10th, at 2037 hours in the 111th Precinct, an officer discharged his firearm at an emotionally disturbed person who was stabbing a woman with a knife. The officer, assigned to the precinct conditions team, responded to a radio of a suicidal man. Upon arrival at the scene, the officers observed the subject on top of a woman and stabbing her while the victim was trying to defend herself from the attack. The officers ordered the subject to drop the knife and, because of the imminent threat posed to the victim, one of the officers fired one round at the subject striking him and causing him to fall to the ground. The subject then got back up and advanced towards the officer with the knife raised, causing the officer to fire one additional round at the subject, striking him again and causing his demise. The victim was critically injured in the assault and suffered numerous lacerations and stab wounds resulting in a collapsed lung. The subject had no prior arrest history. So, as we've said on a couple of times where we've had these unidentified cases, the easiest thing to call out is we only have one side of the story. And it's important for the public to be able to have access to information that has a complete version of the events. I don't necessarily have any reason to doubt that what is written here is accurate, but at the same time, there have been instances of fabrication of these sorts of events by police departments around the country, and there have been instances of fabrications of any types of events throughout human history where the person describing the situation might be punished for behaving improperly. So. Right, and just in general, having some reporting on things keeps people accountable. Not even necessarily that we as citizens all need to have an opinion or a judgment on exactly how things unfolded, but if things are just written up in one report and filed away and that's the end of it, then that sort of allows for people to be less diligent about following 
protocol or reporting things correctly if they think, you know, my word's just going to be believed and that's just going to be the true story and no one's going to follow up on it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's, as far as what's written on the page, it's hard for me to, it, it is it is a version of events that suggests to me that it would have been difficult for the police officer to do something different if they already arrived and the and the person in question was already stabbing someone. It's tricky. I mean, if I was a police officer, I don't know what I would do, but I'm also very much not a police officer. I'm not trained in any other techniques. I don't know how to restrain someone with a weapon. I, I wouldn't know what else to do, um, but it's not, you know, it's not my job to know what else to do. Right. I'd like to learn what other options there are because it seems like now it's our job as citizens to hold the police accountable for what they're doing. But offhand, I don't have any other thoughts, but you know, I, why would I? Right. I'm not trained to deal with people that are stabbing other people. My the one thing that is a little bit unsettling to me is that the man got up, like they shot him and he got up and came towards the police officer. So the first shot wasn't fatal, but then they fatally shot him the second time. So the shot that hit him when he was actively stabbing the woman seems like the more important shot to get him to stop, right? And then it did get him to stop and it got him moving towards the police officers. So at that point, it's tricky because currently the NYPD protocol, as we've learned during our research of these incidents, is that fatally wounding a suspect is allowed if the police officer feels that their life or someone else's life is in danger. So when this man was stabbing this woman actively, I would see that as her life being in danger. He did critically injure her. And that's, that's, that's bad. She, you know, her life was in danger. That seems like based on NYPD rules, right now that would be the time where a fatal shot would be allowed for the moment when then that suspect is getting up and coming towards the officers with the knife that's a little blurry for me i understand this again kind of goes back to yes i personally would feel like my life was in danger if someone was coming towards me with a knife and I had just seen that they were actively stabbing someone else. But I'm not a police officer. I'm not trained to deal with things like that. I have no idea what to do if someone's coming towards me with a knife. I feel like that's something that there should be training for. And right now it seems like, okay, if someone's coming at you with a knife, you can kill them. But when I was, when we were researching a lot of these, I did notice that a lot of the people that are killed by police 
are killed because they have knives. And isn't there that old saying, don't bring a knife to a gunfight? Mm -hmm. Which just makes me think, you know, you're bringing a gun to a knife fight. You're obviously gonna kill that person that has a knife. There must be other ways to disarm someone. And maybe police officers aren't trained to do that, but it might be a good thing to be trained to do. Yeah. Well, I, I think that they would counter that they need to be able to exercise discretion in instances of high confusion and uncertainty. I think that, that just the way that the incidents was described sounds like someone's imagination of a monster attacking. Yeah. Where a person is shot and then they rise from the dead and continue like a zombie almost. Yeah. Rather than, you know, somebody that's shot and realizes that, you know, they're injured and don't proceed any further or anything like that. We only have one version of the story again, so we don't know what's going on. Right. We, and again, as readers of the story, I think you mentioned this last week, Mike, we read it and our brains are so trained based on other stuff that we've seen and other stuff that we've heard and the way that we sort of take information in. It's hard not to read that story and also feel scared and also feel anxious about yeah that does sound like wow he was stabbing someone he got shot even after getting shot he still got up and is coming towards them like that is that sounds very scary yeah so i wanted to share two things one i wondered aloud last time we were talking about an incident that involved an emotionally disturbed person which I believe was James Owens, whether, what exactly that meant for the NYPD to classify somebody as an emotionally disturbed person. And I was able to find a section from, I guess, the city's classification system. I couldn't, I couldn't, it was from the newyork.gov website, but I'm not sure, like, what the official manual it was from. It was page 216 of a police protocol manual and it described what exactly an emotionally disturbed person was and emotionally disturbed according to the police as of 2013 when this was written an emotionally disturbed person or EDP is a person who appears to be mentally ill or temporarily deranged and is conducting himself in a manner which a police officer reasonably believes is likely to result in serious injury to himself or others. It also talks about a zone of safety. This is the distance to be maintained between the EDP and the responding members of the service. The distance should be greater than the effective range of the weapon, other than a firearm, and it may vary with each situation e.g. the type of weapon possessed, condition of EDP, surrounding area, etc. 
A minimum distance of 20 feet is recommended. An attempt will be made to maintain the zone of safety if the EDP does not remain stationary. So those are just two selections from that document. It's about six pages long. Uh, has a lot of interesting information with respect to protocol when, when approaching an emotionally disturbed person. And the very fact that it gets abbreviated as EDP is problematic, as one could imagine. And in the same search where I found this definition of what an emotionally disturbed person is, I found an article from late 2019. And so this article from the New York Post talks about removing the language and re stopping referring to people as EDPs, emotionally disturbed people, as part of a 37 million program to deal with the serious mental health emergencies, according to a new report. The long-established lingo will be abandoned in favor of mental health calls, sources told the city website, which described the change in terminology as one of key elements of a plan by Mayor de Blasio to reform how cops deal with mentally ill people. And the idea calls for creating a behavioral health unit in the MYP and establishing co-response teams of cops and mental health workers who respond to emergency calls in, in high-need precincts. I guess it was a charter program referring to a couple of precincts in Manhattan and the Bronx. Hmm. So we've talked about that kind of idea both on the podcast and the use of force sub-podcast we've been doing. And I mean, it's cool to see that there is some thought towards that, you know? Yeah. I'm interested to learn more, definitely. I'd like to try and dive into that a little bit more. The co-team, I feel like, could really go either way, right? It could be really a positive thing that... I know there's this idea that sending a social worker out isn't going to work with someone that's violent. That's something we talked about the other week. That was an idea that was brought up to us in conversation with someone. And we discussed a little bit how that whole system would just have to be revamped. It wouldn't be the typical social worker that you're thinking about now. So on one hand, having a mental health professional teaming up with a police officer sounds like it could be positive because it could potentially change the environment. The mental health professional could potentially teach the police officer tactics as well, things that they've learned. But it could also go the other way, right? Where the police officer is still there and still creates a environment of fear and threat for someone that's experiencing a mental health crisis in many cases. Yeah. So I would like to learn more about what that program looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't yet been able to find anything about it. But also, there's more in this New York Post article, and it's 
a very New York post and really okay. unflattering to the cops because they went and got a bunch of quotes from the NYPD regarding this program and they include what the F difference does it make what we call them it's the same thing you have a cop who's been calling people EDPs for 20 years how is he supposed to stop enough with the kumbaya how about taking care of the main problem which is a lack of mental health care oh my god and you wonder why people don't like the police yeah and when you respond to these jobs the person is non-compliant now you've got to worry about yourself and someone who has no law enforcement experience it becomes very dangerous god forbid you're a cop and you allow one of these civilians to get hurt so as you can see first of all i'm not really sure why the post thought it this was a good idea to to print other than it's salacious and appeals to the people that are i guess sure are, and are they buying might, the post they but, might have similar opinions yeah but it goes to show that a lot of these police officers their job is to think within the confines of the system that is given to them and our job as citizens and the job of the government is to create confines that are better protective of its citizenry and more empathetic right and make the police respond to those new guidelines and then the article ends by a police spokesperson saying that it was not definitively on the table that emotionally disturbed person or EDP terminology would be removed from the lexicon. So even that is something that's considered uh, too problematic to, you know, agree to, which is crazy. Right. You know, the idea that like, I mean, it's just preposterous, even the sentiment. Somebody's called something, something for 20 years. What are they supposed to do? You just stop saying that. Right, not, you just change the word. Yeah, it's It not, wouldn't take that long. I can understand, okay, there might be a few weeks of getting used to it, maybe even a few months of getting used to it. Just because you're not used to the language doesn't mean that you would be somehow in a dangerous position because you have to think about the language that you're using. And I'm sure it's not the first time that they've changed language. As language changes in our society and as we learn more about each other and grow to be more empathetic towards each other and grow to treat each other with more respect, our language changes. Yeah. And language has been changing forever. Yeah. And it changes fast, especially now. It feels like language changes really fast. And, you know, I understand to some degree, sometimes that can be challenging. And sometimes you trip over yourself a little bit as you're speaking. But it's not, it doesn't put you in danger to start using another term that's more respectful. And if you're going to be changing the protocol about how you interact with a certain group of people, then it makes sense in my mind to change the language as well because then you don't automatically associate this term EDP with what you were trained to do 20 years ago. Right. Now you associate this new term with your new training. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think that's probably enough for this week. As with the previous unidentified cases, if you're interested or know more about this case and would like to contribute to the telling of it on our side, please reach out to us and let us know. Thank you always, as always for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.